feel like, you know, we know that, first of all, there's just not enough representations of the gloriousness of Black women across the board, right? We just know that. But the release of Tender really reinforced that for me. I was like, oh, we don't have enough stories about the various ways that we look, love, feel, have sex, you know? And I think for like queer Black women, it was partly being seen, but also being seen in a certain kind of way. Hey, y'all. Welcome to the She's So Real podcast. I'm your hostess, AJ Joyce, where we dive in each week to chat with multifaceted women in the film and entertainment industry who believe in diversity and inclusion through their work and the media. I'm a digital creator and a black girl nerd with a background in fun movie reviews, film enthusiasm, and girl power advocacy, who's obsessed with creating a space for talented, badass women. Grab your drink and your popcorn, because these ladies are the real deal. Hey, y'all. We have a special guest today by the name of Felicia Pride. She's a film slash TV writer and director. She was a writer for two seasons on Ava DuVernay's Queen Sugar and currently writes on Grey's Anatomy. She sold a drama pilot, a book adaptation to NBC's Universal Cable Productions. She also sold the erotic romance Deeper to Universal Pictures and is the co-writer and executive producer of the film Really Love, produced by Macro, which won a special jury prize at South by Southwest. She recently made her doctoral debut with Tinder, a short film she also wrote, which won a Liongate slash Stars Award at the Black Star Film Festival, as well as several other accolades. Today, we catch up with Felicia talking about her start in the industry, her Gen X production company, Felix and Annie, and her inspiration behind Tinder. It was like talking to your homegirl down the block. Get ready for the cool and chill vibes of the eclectic Felicia Pride. I am always down to support female-owned businesses, including those that make us feel uber confident. The Lip Bar, for example, is one of those amazing businesses. If you're looking for some easy-to-use makeup products that are vegan and cruelty-free, the Lip Bar is for you. The Lip Bar is all about making sure that you feel beautiful and everyone feels beautiful and celebrated. No matter your background, you too can be fabulous with the Lip Bar at your side. Use my code AJSoReal to get 10% off your next purchase today. It's your time to shine, girl, with the Lip Bar. Hey, Felicia, how you doing? Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm happy to be here. I'm so excited for you to be here. We have tons and tons and tons to talk about. But first, we have to drop a gem here. Your birthday's coming up. What are you going to do? <laughs> my goodness. I am going to, I guess, be in my house. I thought about maybe my friend had got me a nice, a coworker actually got me a nice uh, bottle of champagne last year and was like, I was like, I'm going to save it for a special occasion. And I think that's just going to be my birthday next week. So maybe I'll just pop some champagne and, you know, be grateful. Can't do much, but yeah. <laughs> hey, I, I can appreciate that. I got a nice fat bottle of red, semi-sweet red wine, and I'm going to open it later. There. I love a semi-sweet. That sounds w- wonderful. Right? <laughs> <laughs> 
So let's let's start with basics here. How did you get started in the film industry? Well, I started out just as a writer almost 20 years ago, writing about music. And then I morphed into a journalist and I wrote a lot about culture. And then I wrote a lot about books. And then I realized that I wanted to like write my own things. And so I went back to school. I went to Emerson for my master's and out of school, I worked in New York book publishing and then started writing my own books. I wrote six books, one of which is like my baby, baby. It's about hip hop. It's called The Message, 100 Life Lessons from Hip Hop's Greatest Songs. And it's a collection of essays. And that book, I was able to travel around the country with it. And it was taught all over these places. But then books just got hard. (laughs) They became, it just wasn't my form. And then I stopped writing for a long time, for about seven years. And then I was like, you know what? I, I want to get back to this. So two things happened. One, I started sort of self-teaching myself writing screenplays. And I recognized that as a form, I loved it because it was the best of both worlds. It was the best of like the imagination of fiction that I had written. But then like the economics of journalism in terms of like how succinct you need to be and all of that. So I really kind of fell in love with it as a form. And so when I got to a crossroads in my career, where I was really wanting to get back to writing and try out writing for the screen, my mentor at the time was like, well, I was living in DC and she said, you know, you should move to the biggest market. You should move to LA. So that's what I did five years ago. I came out here with one feature, which became Really Love, which was produced by Macro and premiered at AFI Fest recently. And then kind of like grind it (laughs) to get into TV, to write additional features and all that stuff. Wow, you were just on the train. And what was like your first job like when doing writing, especially for like writing for music you were saying in the beginning? Yeah, actually my first published piece, which I remember to this day, I think I even have a copy of it. It was a, I was basically an intern for this black owned community newspaper out of Staten Island called Black Rain News. And basically the publisher, Rance Huff, would allow the interns, we would write and he would publish us in his print newspaper. So my first written piece was a review of Mary J. Blige's No More Drama album. So that was 2001. And I didn't know anything about music criticism, but I was like, I know Mary, you know, (laughs) and I wrote this piece and he published it. And when I got a copy of the print magazine, the print newspaper and saw my name, I felt I felt like I was entering into a conversation bigger than myself. I felt a sense of validation um, and that kind of hooked me. Wow. I love how you said, I know, Barry, I got this. Like, <laughs> I feel hold- like I just, I am trying to work with Mary J. Blige somehow, some way. I love her so much, but also because she's played such a monumental part of my career. You know what I mean? <laughs> I love that. I love that. Now we're going to fast forward here. You know, you have your production company. And it's named Felix and Annie, which is inspired by your parents. And I just love the simplicity of it all and how it correlates to what stories you bring to the forefront and also what it means, you know, to be from Baltimore, from the East and the West and what your parents mean to you. What's been your proudest moment when launching your production company? My father passed away about three years ago. And the first project that came out of Felix and Andy was our short film, Tender, which was also my directorial debut. So I held a private screening of Tender on essentially the day that my, like the anniversary of my father's death, but it was the day after my mother's birthday. 
And I flew my mother out to come to this screening. So she was there and she got to see my work on screen. And I felt like my father was there in spirit. And it was just such a wonderful like way to bridge them and also, you know, really make a testament to what I'm trying to do with Felix and Annie. So it was just a beautiful, beautiful moment. Like I know he was proud. She was very proud. They've both been my biggest cheerleaders from jump. So yeah, it was just a, it was a really proud moment. It definitely sounds like a full circle moment for sure. Very much so. Yes. And, you know, I touched on the whole Baltimore experience and I, I, from what I can see and, and when I was looking at everything, I feel like it's just interwoven into the work you do and the company. Is there any like specific things from your hometown, like upbringing that really resonates with your current work the most? That's a good question. I mean, I think that, I think Baltimore is in me in the way that I move through the world is the way that I view the world, but also, you know, wanting to actually do stories for Baltimore. And so I'm working on an independent feature that I want to direct, that I wanted that I will direct. (laughs) That's right. Call it. That's right. Call it in. It actually was the project that one of the reasons why I started directing, because it's inspired by my mother, my sister, my niece. I was like, no one else can direct. No, I can't let anybody touch this, you know. That's right. But it takes place in Baltimore. So I'm really excited about bringing that story to life and and the way that Baltimore has played a character in my life and particularly in my parents' lives and my family's lives. So I think that's what I'm also really interested in, being able to do that. That's awesome. Now that you've had a culmination of working on your own projects and you've also worked on some some big TV shows as well, how do you apply those experiences now when you are writing and directing Tinder? And when I was watching it, I was all like, wow, this is some damn good emotional intimacy for 15 minutes. I mean... <laughs> And everything about it from the cinematography to the music in the background, it's like minimalistic soul, two black women, just two black women talking to each other in all its simplicity. Again, like so down to earth, so just raw. I I love it. I love the 15 minutes. And I was like, okay, I want more. I want more. So... (laughs) Thank you for that. That means so much. I mean, I think one of the biggest things I've learned being out here is working with first-class collaborators. <laughs> you know, I had the joy, our two actors in the film, Pharrell Walker and Joshana Clark, are just amazing, amazing talents who poured their all into it. Our cinematographer, who you mentioned, Ludovica Zadori, who shot the shit out of that film. And then the music, which is basically by one group, one artist, Asha Santee and Boomscat out of DC. I just was blessed to be able to collaborate with first class artists and get out of their way so they could do what they do best, you know? So that's kind of, that was kind of my approach is like, here's the vision. I'm going to articulate the vision and talk to the different department heads about how they are translating the vision in their space. But then I'm going to get out of the way so that you can do what you do best. And it worked well, I thought. (laughs) So because it was just such a joy on set to be able to watch these artists and watch their work and watch what they do all in sort of concert for this vision. I'm always fascinated, like in short films, how directors and even screenwriters capture such strong emotion in such a short 
time. Like I, to me, that's talent. Uh, that's that's talent. Like, you know, you watch these films that are like hours and hours long, and then you finally realize, oh, damn, now they feel this way. <laughs> you know, I feel like with Tinder, it right from the beginning, you're like, okay, wow, that's a hook. <laughs> so I, I, I really liked it. So the inspiration behind Tinder, it seems purely from the past articles I've read, really embodies the bonds, as I said before, with Black women, along with just reflections of the Black female experience from the the Gen X setting. And I know, too, that from reading about the production company, too, you were talking about how this is more of a Gen X production company. What was your inspiration behind that? Why exactly Gen X? Yeah, well, I am Gen X. I'm 41. Um, I moved out to, I'll be 41 next week, actually. You know, I moved out to LA at 35, so I was not a spring chicken. And so I do think that my perspective is just a little different. And I also think that it's an audience that there's, there is an opportunity to provide stories and to, and to chronicle our journeys. Because the conversations that I have with my friends are just different at this age, you know? And as part of this generation. So it's just basically wanting to write for myself essentially and my friends and create stories for us that reflect our experiences and also reflect how we're changing and evolving as we get older. So with Tender, you know, the main character, Pharrell is very much a part of me and who I am. She's older. So there's an age difference between her and Lulu, who's the younger character played by Shoshana Clark. But also what it is, is kind of like looking in a mirror, right? Pharrell's kind of looking, Kiana's kind of looking at her younger self. So I wanted to kind of play with that about how we think about our past selves, how we think about what we wish we would have known, but also how we have this wisdom because of just experiences and living life. So those are the things that I like and that I want to continue to play with in my work. I know with Tinder, especially along with the Gen X aspect of it, you know, it makes space for Black women and Black queer women to be exact. And I was reading about how the film, when people were watching it, that was the audience that resonated the most with this film. Why do you think they fell so easily to to connect with it? I feel like, you know, we know that, first of all, it's just not enough representations of the gloriousness of Black women across the board, right? We just know that. But the release of Tender really reinforced that for me. I was like, oh, we don't have enough stories about the various ways that we look, love, feel, have sex, you know? And I think for like queer Black women, it was partly being seen, but also being seen in a a certain kind of way, right? The aspect of tenderness, the aspect of intimacy, the physical intimacy is implied in the film, but then we see the emotional intimacy. So I think it's just the shades of representation that I think really resonated with queer Black women. So, and that's when I was just like, we just need more. Like we (laughs) we need so much more because there's so many, this is just one slice of life. There's so many different stories and, and, and representations that can be found because, you know, I think also sometimes representation isn't enough, especially when it's not healthy. Ah, stats to that. (laughs) (laughs) So I just feel really grateful that queer Black women saw themselves in this and have been supportive of the film. So I just feel really grateful. 
Well, now that you touched on the intersectionality of just Black women in general and, and the shades, I'll take your your word. You know, I, I love how you said that, you know, rather if it's the emotional, the mental, the, the sexual aspect and so on and so forth. It's empowering to watch that, you know, just to flow through and the freedom of it. Like, I love the part where they're dancing together and it's just like Black joy all overwritten on the screen. And it's like, Wow, like I do that too with my girls and, you know, rather if it's in a relationship or or a friendship, like I do that too. And it it just resonated so well. And one thing I notice is that, you know, when we're touching on the vulnerability aspect, I'm always curious, do you feel if Tinder trumps the whole strong black woman, you know, trope, or do you think it redefines it in a realistic way? That's an amazing question. Um, my hope is that it redefines it because I, I I do know that there that black women have a strength that is unparalleled. That I know. But when it becomes something that is unhealthy, when it becomes something that is used against us, when it becomes something that is not of us, right? That's why I hope it redefines it because I want us to define strength on our own terms. And that's, you know, as a community, but that's also as individuals, like what does strength look like to you? And for, for me and these two women in this moment, that's what it looked like, you know? So I, I hope that it redefines what strength is. And maybe, it, maybe simultaneously it's trumping strong black women because I'm more interested in, you know, the idea of our strength than the idea of creating a snappy moniker for us. You know what I mean? My hope is that where we define strength on our own terms and from our own gaze and from our own experiences. So, yeah. I think that's perfect because like that, that's personally how the way I see it, you know, there's, and I think overall, just like the strength of the black community has been tested over all this year, but <laughs> that's another conversation, <laughs> but we're like in a constant transforming stage where we keep redefining what strength and power and community and just individualism means to us as a black person, as a black community, as it, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And I definitely see this in Tinder with each character as well. Now I'm always curious because when a screenwriter writes, you know, their own plays or movies and so on and so forth, they always put a tidbit of themselves in characters. So I want to know which character do you feel like you connect with the most in Tinder? They both have parts of me. And they also, so they have parts of me. You know, Lulu is definitely like partly my younger self, but also partly what I wanted my younger self to be more like. And, you know, Kiana is definitely partly parts of myself now, parts of myself, you know, a few years ago. But also I realized that I write things that I want to see in my own life. <laughs> so gender <laughs> is also aspirational. I'm like, I want an emotionally intimate morning after a one night stand. Aww. You know, like, I- <laughs> that in my life. Yeah, it's aspirational, but then there's also absolutely pieces of, in terms of like, you know, the, the, for Kiana feeling like it's too late 
you know, there was a point in my life where I felt like it might have been too late to pursue my dreams. Whereas there was a part of my life where I was Lulu, where I was, you know, very passionate, but maybe a little had a little naivete about how the world works. So, yes, they're definitely both parts of me. I could see a, a kind of like a, a parallel journey going on here where you were talking about the aspirational aspect to it. Just as you are achieving things with Tinder, it's like speaking to like others who are Gen X and even older who want to try out these things. Because I was reading some article, I can't remember if this it was the New York Times or somewhere, and they were saying how Gen Xers as well as baby boomers are someone to watch out for next year because they were forced to really get engaged with social media due to the pandemic and how jobs were and everything moving virtual all of a sudden. So, and I'm glad to see a shift in that, a need for them like, hey, we're important too. <laughs> That's so interesting. I would love to read that article. Yeah. If, if I find it, I'll definitely send it to you. I was like, this, this is awesome. So with Tinder, you know, it's award-winning accolades. Congrats to you, Felicia. Is there any other film festivals or appearances that it's going to be making? Yeah. Well, we won the Lionsgate Stars Award at the Black Star Film Festival, which allows us, we're going to be streaming on the Stars app. So we're really excited about that. That's forthcoming. And yeah, we still are still doing festivals, which is like, um, wild to me because um, because we also what was so beautiful is that you know during quarantine we made the decision to release the film online because we were like people are home and let's release it online but it was kind of a risk because it could have jeopardized our film festival run but it didn't so that's the beautiful thing it's like it's at film festivals reaching very specific audiences but also available for anyone to watch. So that's been beautiful as well. Did you know over 192,000 new podcasts were launched in 2019 and I was one of them? Have you ever wanted to share your opinion but not break the bank? I have just a thing for you, girl. It's called Buzzsprout. Buzzsprout is hands down the easiest and best way to launch and promote and track your podcast. Your show can be online and listed in all the major podcast directories like Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and more within minutes of finishing your recording. Podcasting isn't hard when you have the right partners, and the team at Buzzsprout is passionate about helping you succeed. Join over 100,000 podcasters like myself already using Buzzsprout to get their message out into the world. Like me, Buzzsprout can't wait to amplify your message. Let's create something great with Buzzsprout. Follow the link in the show notes, let Buzzsprout know that I sent you, and you can get a $20 Amazon gift card if you sign up for a paid plan today. And now we have to check on the status of we there's talks of this becoming a full feature and I'm totally on board and I want to know all the updates if you could give any at this point in time. Yeah, well, we launched a Patreon to that basically takes folks behind the scenes of the development of Tender, basically me developing this film because this, you know, Tender was going to be a standalone project. I did, I had no thoughts about turning it into a feature, even though the two characters actually do come out of a pilot I wrote. 
but I never thought about turning it in. It was going to be like me getting my feet wet as a director. And, but you know, when the people speak, you got to listen. So they were like, want it more. And I was scared as shit. I was still very scared, but I'm like, something is calling me. Something's in my spirit that we need to just you know, heed the call. So we launched a Patreon that takes folks behind the scenes of the development of Tender. We have a lot of big plans going into 2021 to bring as many people into the fold as possible, because the hope is that we can shoot this, you know, early summer. So that's the goal. So I'm I'm being very honest with this journey <laughs> uh, through Patreon. So I'm like, I don't know what the film's about. I'm figuring out how to break through that I shared with the page the patrons last week. So that's coming together. But yeah, I'm really, really excited to be also creating this within community. Is there anyone that you would give a shout out to, I'm sure cast and crew all included, that is like an integral part in making sure that this becomes the film you want it to be in the long run? Absolutely. I mean, Regina Hoyles, who is the producer on Tender, Phenom, she's like 24. She was actually the one who, because I was inspired by her, she wrote, directed, and starred in a film called Adulam. And we actually screened together at certain film festivals. So that was like such an amazing joy. But she was the one who was like, we need to set a date. We need to set a date to do this. And I was like, oh, she's like, I'm the 31st. And I'm like, oh. <laughs> so I really... between her inspiration, but also her putting her foot down and be like, we need to set a date to her, you know, really safeguarding the vision. And it's just been amazing. So I'm, I'm psyched to work with her on the feature, but I'm also psyched because of the work and the artist that she continues to be. I'm just really grateful to be surrounded by people who surround me and not people, but mainly black women who inspired me. So it's, it's been great, but yeah, shout out to Regina. Cause she was like, and then also shout out to Amber Brown. Amber Brown came on as like a fellow and actually ended up developing all of the graphics for our crowdfunding campaign because we crowdfunded for the film. And that was like a godsend because it set the tone for what the film was like going to look like publicly. And then she became casting associate. She was like office PA. Like she just was like down for whatever, helped to plan the um, private screening. And so now she's my right hand and she's amazing. And so it's a team effort. It is a village effort. That's awesome. It, you know, like one thing I've always heard consistently when I interview someone is they always say, find your community, find someone who's going to keep you going, who trusts in your vision, just as you trust theirs and so on and so forth. So it seems like you found yours. <laughs> I've been so grateful. I, I've found that's the one thing I know people have their thoughts about LA, but that's one way that LA has been good to me is that I have found an amazing community, most of which is Black women who have held me down. So I'm very grateful. That's wonderful. That's wonderful. Well, man, I have to have acknowledgement to all your hard work because, you know, you're just hitting the spot after spot after spot. And I know I was just talking to uh, Nia Malika Dixon and she was telling me you're also going to be part of their film festival. Yes, I'm very excited. Yeah. So I, I thought that was great. Now, with Tinder becoming a feature full length film early summer, quote unquote, I would like to know, is there any challenges besides you, you know, feeling nervous that 
either you guys will potentially encounter or already encountered along with the pandemic happening. Oh yeah. I mean, we got to raise this money, right? I mean, I'm going to, the plan is I want to keep it super low budget because we want to own it and we want to have so that we can maintain creative control. And we also want to, in terms of going into it, we want to minimize the risk. So that's why we want to keep it as low budget as possible. So that's going to force us to be very creative. (laughs) shoot it very creative with pulling resources together. So that's one thing is like getting the money. Then also, you know, depending on when we shoot, shooting in the time of of Corona, a lot of places are doing it, but also, you know, it costs extra money to make sure that you're doing things safely. So we have to consider that depending on when we shoot or when we shoot and how things are going. So that's definitely another challenge. I'm sure that it's going to be a scrappy shoot. (laughs) So, you know, it's probably going to be challenging to get what we need in the time that we're going to have. And then I know that post is always a challenge for low budget indie films. So that's going to be another. And then distribution. Um, I'm already going into this like, if we have to self-distribute, we're going to be ready, seeing if there's going to be distribution partners and that sort of thing. So it's going to be a challenge every step of the way, I'm sure. But it's also going to be a joy every step of the way, because I firmly believe that the joy is in the making and in the doing and then in the sharing with the people you made it for. So yeah, and I think we're built for it. I, like I said, I'm scared. You got this. I'm right behind you, Felicia. You got this. <laughs> Thank you. That's what I feel. I feel like, you know, the the village and the community is there. So we're going to forge on is, is the goal. Forge on because I'm with you. So many other Black women are with you. You Thank can you. do this. <laughs> so that means so much. I got to tell you, it really does. So with your conversation with The Root, which I must say, I didn't know you were a former contributor to The Root, which I have to say is just awesome because I love The Root. It's like one of my favorites. (laughs) Yeah, I was a book columnist for when The Root first launched years ago. Wow, you're like part of the inaugural. (laughs) Aaron Evans and Natalie Hopkinson, who brought me in. Yeah, it was a while ago. That's awesome. That's awesome. And one of the articles you did with them, you mentioned how you're not sure the future of indie filmmaking will look like in the next upcoming year. And I was wondering, do you still feel like that's the case? And if you have any new thoughts about that with developing things happening in the film industry overall? Yeah, I mean, I I think it is going to look different. You know, I think one of the big changes is the connection between indie film and film festivals as a way for indie films to be seen by specific people, industry people to, you know, find distribution partners. So I think that's going to change things. You know, of course, cost and the ability to shoot, I think is going to change things. So I think it's going to force, but that's the thing about indie films, always scrappy. They always find a way. (laughs) So that's where I kind of put my faith though, is the ability for artists to find a way. I know it's very difficult just overall in general, you know, we had, there were so many things that have happened this year in all mediums of entertainment. And it's just, (laughs) it's a lot. And something else that has come up is too, with things going more virtual and the extension of film festival submissions and things like that, they were saying, 
indie films have more of the ability potentially being nominated for even the bigger you know, awards like the Gotham Awards or even the potentially the Oscars and seeing the array of that. Do you think that will be the case as well? Maybe. I think anything's possible. I definitely think anything's possible. I mean, I think that the one thing that a lot of filmmakers were encouraged by was that the film festivals being virtual expanded access. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. expanded access for critics, right? Because especially Black critics who may not be able to travel to these specific film festivals had a certain, a different level of access this time around. So that expansion of access, I think, is a game changer and hopefully will remain the case. Yeah, I do think that the expansion of access could be helpful to indie films. Absolutely. Definitely. Well, I got to say, like, like I said, you're, you know, your hard work is like, it just speaks through you. You have such a awesome energy. I can feel it. It's so subtle. I you love know, it. Likewise. I'm like, you perking me up this morning. I appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. I want to know if there is someone that comes up to you and they want to know what is, how do I get into the game? How do I do this? What is your advice? What would be your first go-to? Make something. I feel like, and that's something that's really important to me is like, I want to have one foot in Hollywood and one foot outside of Hollywood. I keep hearing a trend like that too. Like, (laughs) like people don't want to be fully in Hollywood, but they don't, you know, want to be too detached as well. Like it's kind of a in between. Yeah, I mean, Hollywood is full of a lot of no's and a lot of, we don't understand this and this isn't big enough and just a lot of excuses. But outside of it, one foot outside of Hollywood, you know, that's when you get together with your village and like, okay, we're going to make this, this movie uh, about these two Black women. Uh, <laughs> <and> <laughs> it's going to be quiet and we're going to make it, you know, so I think it's for the type of work that I want to do, it's going to be important that I maintain a foot outside of it so that we can maintain our ownership. We can maintain things like creative integrity and we can make things. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like there's a lot of development in Hollywood that doesn't go anywhere. Um, and I'm very interested in making things and again, sharing it with the people I, we intended to make it for. So those are like my mandates and part of my mission. So Yeah, that's the goal. Now, before we get to our Keep It Real segment that we usually tie our ends with, I know you recently sold a new erotic drama called Deeper to Universal. And is there any updates on that? Anything new on the radar? I'm very excited about it. It seems like the so the producers are Will Packer Productions. They seem very excited about it. So I am very, very excited about it. So that's what I can say is that I... Yay. Oh, man. Well, before we close ship, we always have our keep it real segment where we always ask our guests their favorites, you know, just to be more relatable to the audience. Are you ready, Felicia? I am. All right. After hearing your Mary J. Blodge deal, is Mary J. Blodge your favorite artist or is it someone else? She's up there. I mean, I have so many favorites, but yes, let's go with Mary today. Like, Let's go with Mary today. She is like queen. I just, I love her so much. I love watching her dance. Like that is the best. Oh, isn't it everything? Like she gives us so much. 
I'm like, Mary gives us so much. Like that dance is just the epitome of like joy. Right. Like no fucks and just like, oof, I love it. All right. What's your favorite movie right now? It can even be tender if you want it to be. Let's go with Jezebel. Numa Perrier's Jezebel. I love it. Ooh, okay. So, and I love it for, it's like the inspiration of what you can do. Low budget, a lot of heart. And then also how they distributed that movie. Like it is definitely a model and inspiration for tender. I I just love the fact that you said Jezebel between that one and uh, what is it? Uh, Miss uh, Juneteenth. Yes. Yes. Man, I'm so glad that people are seeing it for what it is. And it's sad that events that happened in 2020 for people to propel in that direction. I, uh, but, you know, yeah, yeah, uh, you know, it, it should already got the praise that it should have got. <laughs> yeah, no, I hear that. Yes, yes, yes. But it's so inspirational. And then I always have to ask, you know, since, you know, your your birthday's coming up. And everyone seems to have like their favorite birthday food or cake or something. I know this is random, but what what is your favorite birthday thing to do? Oh, I love being on the beach. So that probably won't happen this birthday. Although it may, because we can still go to beaches in LA, allegedly. Yeah, I love being on the beach for my birthday. I love being on the beach, period. That's my happy place. So absolutely on my birthday. I wish we had a pretty beach down here in Houston. I mean, we got Galveston, but, you know, it's the Gulf. It it ain't nothing, you know, special like L.A. has. So (laughs) that's the one thing I love about L.A. because I've always loved beaches. So to have the proximity to the beach and it's always wild to me when I meet people and they're like, I like the beach, but they never go in L.A. And I'm like, but it's down the street. Just go, silly. <laughs> like, this is really literally down the street. So, well, Felicia, I had a great time. Thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you for this, and thank you for this platform that you're that you have for you know these types of conversations. Thank you so much. I mean, I'm all about black creativity in the film and music industry. Keep it going. Keep it going. I love it. Thank you. you're like me, you've probably been spending a lot of time at home and with your family. Because of that, getting groceries you need is more important than ever. With Instacart, it's easy to shop from your favorite retailers online and get everything you need delivered at a time that works for you. Save yourself a trip to the grocery store. Instacart makes it easy to take care of grocery shopping from home without even leaving the couch. My link will be in the show notes if you want to hit up Instacart to make it convenient, easy to get your groceries and everything else. Congratulations on Tinder and everything else, Felicia. You can watch Tinder on FelixandAnnie.com. Link will be in the show notes. It's amazing, guys. It's just amazing. And happy birthday to you again. I hope you have fun at LA's beaches. If you go, Felicia, while doing your Mary J. Blige walk, I'll be watching. (laughs) Now back to your holidays extravaganza. Until next week, see ya.
I hope you enjoyed this episode of She's So Real. If you loved it as much as I did, head on over, rate, and subscribe so you never miss an episode. New episodes drop every week on Thursday. I would love to hear more from you on topics you want to hear. Head to the show notes and let me know in the comments what you want to hear next. I can't wait to hang out with you all again soon. Remember, keep it real. Thank you.